see all of you this morning. Page 61 in our study guide's last lesson. book. title of today's lesson is Keeping the Church Pure. Aside from, aside from small talk, why do we want to keep the church pure? Don't give, don't give me, I mean, I'm not looking for a subjective answer. I'm looking for an objective answer. Why do we need to keep the church pure? God's presence. God's presence. Salt, right? Or the salt. Salt loses its flavors. What do, what do we do with it? Chunks it gets chunked out. Alright, church has a so the church has a um, a specific duty on planet Earth. That's a specific duty. It, it is the church is here to do something. And I and let me and I, I'm gonna say this, and I hope you get what I'm saying. The church is here to have more than just church. Come on, amen. Church is more than 10 to 12, 12 Church is more than that. Church is a body of believers. Church is people, made up of people. And so um, that's what we're going to be getting into this morning is keeping the church pure and then also keeping in mind what the function of the church is because I think that's where everything gets off track. I really believe that, and you can look in look into what's happening today. I believe that's where the church begins to get off track is it loses its focus on what its duty is. If, if the church is a 10 to 12 thing, if that's the case, if the church is a 10 to 12 thing, and we come in and we just do it and then we go and then we go do whatever we want afterwards, I can see how it would be easy to get off track. If you keep in sight the actual duties and function and what we're here to do, who the head is, all of those things. Mm -hmm. If you keep those things in focus, I believe it has an automatic effect to pivot you back towards uh, the straight and the narrow. Keep, well, let's, let's say, keep you on the straight and the narrow. Pivot you back if you're off track. Amen. And um, especially in the, the day and time that we're living in, um, I would say the, the veracity of the environment and the culture that we live in we'll talk a little bit about culture the, this morning um, we need a church that's pure we just do but there's got to be something to stand in opposition to what we're seeing take place Amen. and if there's not then we're, we're going to get run over well if not we can't lead the world no you can't, lead, any, world. You can't lead anybody we can't lead the lost world to Jesus if, if we're not pure ourselves no, we could definitely the say church it's is not pure. Right. It's a blind leading the blind. It's all right if the church house is clean. Right. You know, <laughs> right. That's I got not you. what we're talking about. Right, right. We're talking about inside here. We, we're talking each about one of us. Yeah. Uh, the the opposition, now let me say this and then we'll we'll go ahead and keep I'll start reading. The church has to be in opposition against sin. Amen. If the church is not in opposition against sin, it, you're you're for it. You there there can't be a middle ground in there where it's it's kind of like well it's our it's our culture, man. I'm telling you, we're going to talk about some good culture things today that I think really bring this out. So let's. Uh, central truth is that the church is to remain holy in an impure world. You got to live in it, right? But you also have to remain holy. Under let's get started. 
Have you ever heard someone complain that he or she does not attend church because the church is full of hypocrites? Can I get an amen? Amen. 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 Our first reaction, this is good, and I like the way the lesson puts this. Our first reaction might be to uh, goodly respond that hypocrites in the church should not keep people away because we are there to worship God, not to worry about imperfect human beings. And, and that's true, and I'll say this, it's been my answer before as far as just in conversation, well, we, you, you're going to have to do it. Anyway, okay, I get that on my part, I understand that. They see it a certain way, but there's going to have to be a bridge somewhere. However, a better reaction is to explore our own lives to ensure that we are not giving the world a bad perception of the church. That's really good. Amen. Let me keep reading and I'm going to ask some questions. After all, the biblical word translated church can be seen to literally mean called out. Christians are called out from this world to live as God's children in an ungodly world. How much difference should there be between the life of a believer and the life of someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? We're going to answer that question here in a minute. How does a person's entertainment habits affect his or her behavior and attitudes? That's really good, too. How should Christians respond when they see sin creeping into the congregation? And how can Christians hold to a godly standard while not becoming judgmental toward others? Questions like these will be explored in today's lesson. Okay, so... The first thing um, that we have to ask ourselves, and it's kind of going back up to the top, is are we giving people a bad perception of the church? That's a really strong question to ask. Uh -huh. And so, so somebody, somebody kind of give me an idea here. What, what do you think, what do you think uh, the church could do that would give people a bad perception of it? Okay. I see so many people yeah. doing stuff like that. Like Very good. Living in the world and then coming into church and it makes no sense. Like, well, how could you dabble in both? Okay, that's good. That's a good answer. And, and I think we can safely say that that's also a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. It's cultural. You see that, and it's de it definitely crept into the church. I think uh, a lot of the situations and issues around the marriage principle of God Okay. Good. totally been abated. Yes. Totally different clubs, and it's even increasing as we go on. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things involved there, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I think there's a section here that covers that, too. I think that that's good. John? I know pastors mentioned it before, and here lately it's been bugging me that people wearing a cross, wearing a necklace. I know he's even mentioned like gang members wearing crosses and getting cross tattoos and all that. Right. Like, like they're representing Christ, but then they're listening to Eminem. Or something like that, or, or, or doing, doing that, yeah, or doing that, yeah. And it's kind of it, it kind of takes away from the meaning of the cross. Yes. And they're not picking up their cross and following. It's like they they're just gonna wear the little necklace and it's like yeah, I'm carrying my cross. It's like no, no, you're not. Right. That's good. Carrying a bit of uh, a bit of religion around. Yeah. Pastor, are you gonna say something on that? Okay. Um, the second question I want to ask is how much, and it's the, it's the question that's already here, and then we're, I'm going to give it just a, a basic general answer. How much difference should there be between the life of a believer and the life of someone who does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? I'm going to give you an answer here, and I think it's, it's, it's very simple, distinguishable. You say, well, where's the line at? Distinguishable, okay? There, there should be a, a separation so much to the fact that that I can tell the Christians from the non-Christians. 
It should be. Amen. And, and, I'm, and I, when I say that, I'm not just talking about the fact that you show up on church on Sunday morning. I'm talking, when I say distinguishable, I'm, she said it when she was giving her example. A lot of people go and do their thing and then, then come in here on Sunday morning looking for religion. So we know it's got to be more than that, right? It's, got to be, it's going to have to be something that's deeper. It's going to be, have to be something that you're doing on a daily basis that you actually live out under the convictions that you get from God's Word. So there, if there's not a distinguishable difference, then I think that there's, that's something we have to call ourselves out on. We have to find out. And I mean, and let me say this. There's, I, I know that we think that going into the lion's den, so to speak, is the way to minister and to witness. I don't know if you found it out by now, but a lot of times that's exactly what brings you back out into the world again, is trying to go in and say, well, I'm going to rescue them. That's why I'm going to do what I do. That's why I hang out with some of these people that I hang out with. I'm going to get them. You ever got them? Yeah. <laughs> or did they get you? Absolutely. Now, yes. That's where, why, one reason we need it so much, not that we're to be judgmental or critical, but the more we purify ourselves, which we're called to do biblically, it says sanctify yourselves. Yeah. Be ye holy for I'm holy. Yeah. That's calling us individually. But where that attitude and that, that pure spirit is, then God can pull us there. It's going to be there. And that's where people get convicted of their sins. That's it. If that's not present, it's not real likely that that's going to happen. That's good. Could, could we safely say, let me ask this question, Pastor. Could we safely say that that's where the Holy Spirit has gone in a lot of areas? As far as we don't see a lot of the moving of the Holy Spirit anymore. Could it be that a lot of the working of the Holy Spirit has been stifled because sin has secretly entered the church? But when, when you move him out, I'd say church has moved him out. Not that he's necessarily left, although he can and mm-hmm. will. But the more you move him out, of course, the less of his presence you're going to have. Mm-hmm. And the more sin and the more acceptance and even condoning and, and proponents of it, basically, is what much of the religious arena has become in this day and time. Yeah. You're going to move the Holy Spirit out, of course. Yeah. Then you're not going to have this wonderful everything he is, which is all of God on earth. Well, we've talked about it before. You know, when the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene, he's a truth teller. And... The reason I mentioned the sin thing is because when the Holy Spirit is present, he immediately begins to deal with you personally about truth. And it's like, if you're not willing to see some of the tainted spots in your life, that you're not ready to talk to the Holy Spirit. Because that's what he does. He goes, he goes right after it. Because that's used, I mean, I just know in my own personal life. I mean, I sit in a service and stuff is coming to me and he's like, right there, right there, right there. And I'm Whoa, he's a truth teller. That's what he does. Sean and I have talked about it before. He does not shy away from the truth. But if we're people who are hiding and, and trying to suppress things, then he's not going to be as able to work with that congregation. An arrival of purity has got to be a constant attempt of the individual. I believe it's good. You've got to not just be a hearer of the word, you've got to be a doer. Yeah. Whatever the word says, we need to be doing it. Mm hmm. There's a lot of things contained in this. This is a great lesson. Yeah, it is. Let, let me get. Let me keep going, Sean. That's good, Pastor. Appreciate that. Okay, and then the the 
The third one that I, uh, I want to capitalize on before we move into the scripture aspect of this is, can the way we entertain ourselves affect the way that we live for God? Oh, yeah. Okay. Entertain. All right, so now, now, now I'm going to open this up. Define entertain. Church of the modern day. I want to come here. I want, I want, to, I want to hear a good, I want to hear some good music. Tickle your emotions. That's what entertain means. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Give me another. Give me another version of entertainment. How it can affect the way that you live for God. Can can what you watch on your television set at your house affect oh, yeah. the way you live for God? And your phone. And your phone. And your phone. Entertainment, right? Where you go. Yeah, exactly. Who you around? Sometimes, you know, I, don't, I think that we don't realize that. You know, when you're if you're if you're viewing something or watching something, you're not really thinking about it because you think it's like it's secret, it's private, it's uh, and it's something for adults or whatever you however you want to term it to make yourself feel better. But we're actually going into that place. You you might be in your house, but you're actually going there. You're going into that that area in that location, and so I, I and, and that's a spiritual thing. That's a spiritual matter, and we don't realize how how much the in our, in our culture, it's one of those culture things. You've heard me say this before. If we can't undo the things we've learned in our culture, there's no way we're going to be able to serve God effectively. I, just, I truly believe this because it's, it's, um, our culture is um, steeped and bathed in entertainment. I mean steeped and bathed. I said I need, not just steeped. It's been steeped and bathed in it. And so if you're, if you're all-encompassing, there's entertainment everywhere. And you can, there's so much entertainment that people don't even want to leave their houses anymore and go to work. There's, think about it. There's so much entertainment that people do not want to leave their houses and go to work anymore. You think, well, no, Tanner, you know, it's, it's either this or that. Now listen, if it wasn't that entertaining, if there, was, if there was no A, B, C, and D for you to access, you would probably get up and go do what you needed to do. But because there is, and because it's easy, and because we give it away free in this country, it is so easy to get wrapped up in entertainment. And I uh-huh. still think that, and there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot of facets to that. I don't have time to get in all of them, because i got to keep going. But I think that plays a huge role into the way that we live. All right, we've asked some good questions to get this thing started. Let's go to page 62. Anyone want to read? Go ahead. First Corinthians 5.1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife. So when you are assembled, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit may be saved on the day of the Lord. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, but now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked person from among you. Matthew 18:15. If your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. 
If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Philippians 4.18 Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Amen. Amen. Okay. Amen. Section 1, Deceived by Pagan Influences. Corinth was, sexually, was a sexually saturated society. The believers in the church had grown up in a culture where sexual immorality was normal. This is what we're seeing today. Now, it's easy for you to agree. Obviously, we agree coming from a church angle and then obviously looking at the data and the stuff that you obviously see that we live in a sexually saturated society. I think we all agree with that. I don't think there's not a debate about that. The thing that I've noticed is that when it says this right here, and this, this thing really stands out to me, when it says the believers in the church had grown up in a culture where sexual immorality was normal. That's exactly what we're dealing with today. This is what is happening. You think, well, what do you, what do you mean? Well, it wasn't so long ago. I mean, I can remember, now I'm 42, I can go back just 16 years and think about where I was at, what I was doing. But a kid that was born 16 years ago, he's 16 now, Haven's 17 pretty well grew up in a culture where sexual immorality has been normal. Seen it, seen everything that's going on. Um, this is why it's so important to teach your children the oracles of the Bible. Otherwise, culture teaches them. You don't, you don't really get a say in that because if, you, if your kids are out and about and you're, you're living in this world, culture is going to try to teach them something. The difference is going to be whether we teach them contradictive to that and tell them that there's an actual standard that you're supposed to follow other than culture. So, what, we've, what we're seeing now is a, a, a generation of believers, or I'm sorry, I said that wrong, a generation of people who want to be true believers, but are so inundated with the world that they think you can have both. We're saying, that's where we're at right now. You say, well, they're just kids. 16 goes to 22 real fast. And 16 is already having children of their own. And it's actually moving so fast that we can't even keep up with it anymore. We have, we have a generation, it's like, you know, my daughter, uh, Haven, when she was real young, and, you know, her, her telling me, you know, um, she said, what is that thing? And I said, what? What are you talking about? She goes, that, there's a box, and it says phone at the top. And I said, it's a pay phone. And she goes, what is that? And I said, you put money in it and make wait a second you didn't grow up with that i forgot you're of the cell phone generation that's all you know she doesn't know anything about party lines she doesn't know anything about having to wait for your neighbor to get off the phone so you can talk she doesn't know anything about putting money in a machine she grew up in a culture where there's nothing but cell phones so think about how that affects her and the way that she looks at that kind of lifestyle and, and we think you know it's not that big of a deal but think about a child that's grown up in a society where sin is completely normal and sexual immorality is the norm. How do you think that affects them? 
even kids that come to church, if their parents aren't telling them, hey, that's wrong, they adopt the ways of the culture. This is why it's creeping into the church. Believe me, if, this, if we're still here for, in 20 years, if the church still stands in 20 years, if all this is still going on in 20 years, you're going to see a group of people. The church will absolutely be filled with people who are just inundated with sin because that's the way they grew up. That's what they know. Well, the lesson says it was saturation. Yeah, saturation. And, uh, you know, the, I think I've mentioned here before in the lesson, what the eye sees registers in the brain in one-sixth of a second. It's etched in the brain. Yep. That's scientifically proven. So you consider everywhere you look, it's marketed everywhere. You can't look at anything if it's, it's not there. It's, it's I mean, yeah. all around. Yeah. So what's that doing, not only to every mind, but young minds yeah. that are so vulnerable, then when it becomes normal or common, it's accepted, mm -hmm. and especially when it's condoned by about everyone in our society, it becomes a real issue for the church. It does. And here we are. It absolutely does. Yeah. You can go to any, anywhere, and it's much different than what it used to be. Uh, we was up at Branson, and I went up there to get a icy, and uh, it was five dollars for a big icy. And uh, uh, she said, "Well, we don't take money. So you have to have a card, or you have to have it when you buy your ticket. You know, you get it on there." I said, "You don't take money. You know, mm -hmm. I grew up with just money. Hardly ever sure. wrote a check." Yeah. Only check I've ever seen is one I got when I worked. And right. Was, you know, it's hey. changed. It's changed a lot. The culture's changed. But, uh, now you run into everything. I can't even use a card. Mm -hmm. I don't know how. I don't, I don't know how to use cell phone. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I, I just it's just beyond my reasoning. Right. Uh, when I go to somebody and they say we don't accept money anymore. Right. You know. And, 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 and I know it's going to be that way because the Bible told me a long time ago that's what. It's becoming, it's, it's, the foundations are being laid for sure. All right, that's but very it, good. everything changes, and if we yes. don't change along with it, mm -hmm. uh, we're going we're to be kind of out of it like I am. Sure. Okay, in fact, immorality played a central part in the life in Corinth. Prostitution even had historically played a role in religious worship in the city. Sadly, sexual immorality had become tolerated in the Corinthian church, and Paul instructed them to take strong action to remove sin from the congregation. All right, well, let's just follow a quick timeline. Just, just a quick timeline. Let's go back. If you, don't, if, you, if you have any doubt about modern sexuality in America and what, what the effects of it are, let's just go back. Let's go back to um, uh, Noah and look at Noah's day and what was going on and why God flooded the earth. Uh -huh. Okay? Number one. Um, let's, let's look at... Um, Let's look at, well, yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's look at um, Rome. Look at the Roman Empire. Look what was prevalent in the Roman, do some homework. What was prevalent in the Roman Empire before the fall? Sexual immorality is running rampant. What makes you think that this country is any different? Any, any, civil, any, any civilization, any, any uh, 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 group of people, when sexual immorality began to rise to the top and become the, the core thing, to, to engage in and to be a part of, there was destruction not soon, not not, not too long after that. Well, well, that was the symbolism of false gods. A lot of them, they worshiped in those days. It had that, that emphasis. 
what he's doing. I'm not giving him credit. He knows what he's doing. He's yep. an excellent marketer. Yep. And he sold a bill of goods <laughs> Good to the church that's unbelievable that they've accepted it. Yep. If you know God's word, you study God's word, and you practice God's word, you're not going to be sold. Mm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You got to, you got to, if the word's not there, we're going to miss it. Well, they even had problems back in the, in the early church days. Yeah. Because the, the Jews were still uh, standing on the law, mm-hmm. their law, yeah. not the Bible, not the Word of God, but standing on their law that they made, that they got from here and there and I don't know where else. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they, they said to follow the law, mm-hmm. not follow the Word of God. They right. wasn't following the Word of God then because they wouldn't accept Jesus Christ. Sure. Yeah, they were, they were still, they, were, they, they had a hard transition. <laughs> okay. Paul refused to be shaped by his culture. You have to, too. His priority was his citizenship in God's kingdom. His standards were set by Scripture. The Bible is clear that sex is to be limited to a husband and a wife. To allow sexual immorality in the church is to violate God's commands. Paul told the Corinthians to expel the sexual immoral person from the church. Okay, I just want to read over something real quick. I want to show you something. What it says here, it says, His standards were set by Scripture. Okay, so there's two ways that you're going to get access to that, okay? One of them is by reading the word yourself. The second one is showing up at church and hearing the reading of the word. Uh-huh. Okay, so I, yeah, I know we live in a, 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 a very attractive... Cancel culture. Yeah. Cancel church. Don't we don't need church. Yeah. I, got, I, can, I can listen to it at my house. I can watch it at my house. The, 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 power, the power is in the coming together. That, that's where the power is at. The power is actually in the group of people that are together. That's where it's at. That's why you have local bodies. That's why you have local bodies that come together and worship the Lord together because there's powers in that. Do I think that there's a bit of supplementation that can get you through maybe some, uh, some rugged times? Yes, but the whole point is to come together. If, if that is denied, if you deny that aspect of it, then you don't fully understand the value of it or what it brings to the kingdom. So you have to have that. Uh-huh. So, so you get two things. Either you're reading the word yourself or you're getting it from church. Um, it's got to be, it's, it, those two need to be paired together, of yes, course. Yes, man. But a lot of people don't think you do. Tanner. Yes, please. I think some churches give off the wrong representation of the word of God. I have a situation where I know this person that was raised in a church. They was a youth pastor, and something happened in that church. He felt like he was leaning toward immorality, where he shouldn't be, and he found a church that would accept him and let him believe the way he believed. Mm. And he is part of the head of the church. Mm. And I, I counseled with him. I talked with him. You can, and I said, you know what the Bible says. You right. know what God says. But he will not change. And I think, and I'm glad you brought that up because that does bring up another point. And I'll say this real quick and because that's a, that's a great example. Is we we'll either allow God's word to change us or we create a narrative and make it support us. And, and church hopping, that's usually what people do is they're looking for a church to support their narrative. I, I, I want to live this way. You guys do that? Okay. Let's, let's get together. You're also dealing with spirits. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with demonic spirits. And 
say what they want to say, mm -hmm. it's obvious if you really look. Yep. A few years ago, not long ago, you wouldn't have seen any of this stuff, but now it's no. everywhere. No, you wouldn't have. Uh, multiple relationships in schools already is crazy. Mm -hmm. What we're seeing today. Yeah, it is. And, uh, it's it's a tough one, and I know we're gonna have a lot of time. It's a whole other subject. Yeah, that's that's that a. It is. Let me let me get going. I got to get down to section two, guys. Um, let's see where was I? Okay. Um, it may sound unloving to expel a person from a church, but Paul was careful to describe how it should occur. Church leaders would have turned the person over to Satan with a desire for later restoration. It was hoped that he would come to recognize the folly of the sin and then, in response, turn back to God. If you're if you're wondering how, or if. The, the lesson is correct just look back at the word and, and follow the word that there is, an, there is a process to be followed and to be looked at and can, to be considered when sin is creeping into the church he says casting the immoral person out would benefit both the individual and the church but no Tanner that can't, we can't do that because that's mean that's not loving that's not the love of God actually it is it is, it is. And, and and I'll say this, and I don't want to I don't want to keep I don't want to take anybody's stuff right now because we got to keep moving. It's the way that people's perception of love is. Mm -hmm. We're missing it. It's that God's definition of love and the world's definition of love are two completely different things. Right. And, and and sometimes love is hard. Love is truth. Uh, love is a lot of you know the, the things that God defines love as. Love is not in all acceptance and lets you do whatever you want. That's not uh, what they call that. Uh, right. I think it's, uh, autonomy. Self-government, autonomy is self-government. You're not, you don't get to have us because you got saved. This autonomous lifestyle where I can, I'm free. I can go do whatever I want. No, that's that's very destructive, actually. So, real quick, just what she said. You know, the attitude is grace covers all. Yeah. So I can do anything I want. All right, right, yeah. That's the way people look at. It. The way people look at. It. Go ahead, Jim. The Holy Spirit. You know, if once you're reading the Bible when you first get saved. It's sometimes it's hard to understand mm -hmm. the yep. whole thing, but after you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll understand more of it. Mm -hmm. You still may not understand all of it. Yeah, but that's where you go to church. Yes, and you get taught, and then you hear the preacher preach the Word of God, and you follow him in right. the Bible. You've got to follow him you in follow the Bible. Him. Yeah, and, and if you're if and you're then after that, you have to pray, and then you have to seek God for the answer. And, uh, and it says, because you come to hear the word of God, mm -hmm. then you have faith. And, and I think that as far as if you're going to the right church, it doesn't, shouldn't take long for you to start hearing the church talk about sin and confronting sin. If you're going to the right place, I'm not, I'm not lifting us up, but we, do, we talk about that here. If you're going to the right place, you're not going to a place that makes you feel good. You're going to a place that actually talks about sin, confronts sin. Things of that nature. Um, that's you're going to the right place if that's uh, if that's uh, what you're hearing. Um, okay. Um, just as a small amount of yeast works through the entire lump of dough, sin will infect the entire church. Absolutely. Paul used Passover to illustrate the importance of keeping the church pure. We cannot claim the benefits of Jesus, the Passover lamb, yet live according to the standards of a pagan culture. Absolutely. I, <laughs> I've heard people for a long time they talk when this talks about pagan culture, and I think it's kind of funny. People talk for a long time. They said Christmas is is pagan, and you don't need to be you don't need to be involved in that stuff. That's that's uh, that's not godly. I say, listen, man. There's way more things to be worried about right now than whether I'm celebrating Christmas or not. 
we got we got we got more things on the plate than whether I celebrate Jesus' birth on a day that you don't agree with. Sorry. The plate is much bigger than that. Okay. Section two, an authoritative decision. Paul called us to exercise good judgment, but not to be judgmental. Okay, well that's easier said than done. Can we agree with that? We should associate with people who do not know Jesus in order to share the gospel with them. But we have no authority to judge those who do not know Jesus. This is God's authority alone. In us, they can find a demonstration of the gospel through words and actions and thereby respond to God. But if you'll notice, the way that the lesson puts it and the way that it's spoken of in Scripture right here, he said, and I think this is good, he said, don't worry about the people outside the church. You need to be worried about what you're doing in the church. Because he said, he said you, you got the right to call out a brother or sister in sin, but you ain't got no right to go out there and be messing with these other people. You already know where they're at. It's powerful. So it's like, it's like, because I think there's a perception, and has been for years, that the problem isn't here, the problem is them. It's a perception. It's them old sinners out there. Man, if we could get them fixed, we'd all be okay. Man, that's already the wrong way to approach it. If we're thinking that the problem is not with us, but it starts with us. That's where judgment begins, begins in the house of God. Okay. Well, we still have to tell them about Jesus. Yeah, yeah, you got to tell them about Jesus. That's your job to tell the world about Jesus. But this, this, and what I'm referring to is this scripture base here. Yeah. When it's talking about sin and confronting sin, I think I, I think I need personally. I'll give you all my personal preference. I think I need to be uh, stung and slashed with the sword and and all whatever the Bible offers as far as conviction is concerned on a continual basis to keep me lined up. Because right. i gotta, I got to live in this ridiculous yeah. vessel who wants to do the wrong thing right. all the time. So I constantly need to be reminded of that. I think Waylon was mentioning something about that this morning. You uh, without sin cast a first, cast first stone. stone. Right. Okay, this is God's authority alone in us. They can find a demonstration of the gospel through words and actions and thereby respond to God, which is talking about our demonstration the way we live. While it can be uncomfortable, Christians are wise to make themselves accountable to each other, thereby helping to prevent compromise from growing within the church. Okay, well, let's talk about that for just a minute. First of all, is, how do I, I want to phrase this right, is accountability comfortable? Anybody ever done an accountability program? Mm -hmm. I have. I've done some accountability programs. No, it's not. It's not any fun. And I don't know what yours was, Pastor. I remember I, was, I had to get on the phone once a week, tell them what I was doing, and then they would tell, tell, tell about what they were doing. I was like, man, I don't want you in my business. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to tell you what I'm doing. I don't tell you what's going on. I don't tell you what I'm struggling with. I don't want to do that. But as the lesson puts this, I'm not saying air your laundry out. I'm, saying, I'm talking about accountability, holding yourself accountable to what God's word says. Amen. A lot of times, that's exactly what a person needs is to be held accountable. Uh, can we agree that we're seeing a society and a culture today of people that do not want to be held accountable? At all. So what makes us think that it would be any different in here? You're living out there. You got a culture that's teaching. You got kids coming up learning this stuff. What makes us think that it's going to be any different here if we don't call it out? There's still got to be accountability. Say, so, well, I want to come to a church that loves me and, and makes me feel good, but I don't want you to actually tell me I'm doing anything wrong. I, I don't want you to, you know, to call me out. 
I sure enough don't want you to talk about things that make me uncomfortable. Accountability. Sometimes we need someone else that's strong in their faith, a person to help hold us accountable. Right. Especially in serious issues, or maybe more than one. And, and maybe someone who's been through the same thing. Mm -hmm. Quite possible. If you want to see something that tells you about accountability, then go home and watch that flywheel again. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I'll tell you what, that tore me. I've watched that thing three or four times this week. And I'll tell you what, that man had to account for everything that he had done mm -hmm. in his life. Yeah, accountability. And I'll tell you what, it, it, it'll make you stop think about it a while. Mm -hmm. It says, this does not mean being judgmental, though. The difference between judgmentalism and accountability is found largely in one's attitude. Oh, okay. It comes, you're telling me it comes back to the person? Ouch. Is the person motivated by a sense of superiority, or is it love and concern for the person's welfare, as well as welfare of the church? Christians must be willing to hold others accountable to godly standards, even as they are held accountable by others. Okay. Um, there's a question here, and I'm going to answer the question for you. I'm not asking you your, uh, your input per se, because there's this one answer, I believe, it, it kind of encompasses everything. The, the question is, under REACT, is what can you do to develop spiritual accountability? Let me just say this. There's a lot of ways that we could, we, there's a lot of answers there, but the one answer that always sticks with me is be approachable. Be approachable. Be the kind of person that somebody can go to and tell them that something is not right to them and not be offended. Be approachable. I would say that in just... Since I was a kid being in church and then, and then being in this environment and then being in the, the type of position that I've been in for years now, I would say that is one of the, the biggest struggles is dealing with people who are not approachable. Be, deal, dealing with people who are easily offended, who get really upset and get angry. Now, it's easy. Now, listen, I'm being honest here. It's easy for me to say that because I'm up here telling you, but we all need to learn from it. I would still struggle with it. I'm being honest. But this is, this is one of the things that stop accountability dead in its tracks is when we're not approachable. And, and to me, as the Bible has given its, its breakdown on what needs to happen, it seems as though that individual is unapproachable. Because it says if they, if they don't repent of their sin, then they need to move, we need to move to phase two. And if you'll notice that the problem, the thing that's causing it, is they don't want to be approached with it. No. I don't know what you're talking about. Unapproachable. I don't want to listen. So, I think that's important. All right, section three, committed to God's standard. This all ties together. Conflict between Christians is never pleasant, but it is part of reality when people interact. All right, is, it, is there a possibility going to church that you could actually go to church with somebody that you disagree with? Yes. All right, I mean, let's just be honest, okay? There's no perfect church where everybody just kind of agrees and nobody gets upset with the other one. That's, that's non-existent. And to create that in your mind, to create churches being an environment where I come, where everybody's good, nobody does anything bad, nobody does things that are contrary to the Bible. As a matter of fact, you're probably going to find that often. <laughs> People say things and do things. You say, but they're Christians, though. I can't believe they'd say that to me. They know... They know me. Why would they do that to me? And then what happens? 
because we've created this perfection in our mind that we go to a church that they don't do those kind of things. Come on. I'm still a human being. You look at me long enough, you're going to start finding flaws. You, you look at somebody long enough and stay around them long enough and deal with them long enough, they're going to have some traits and some personality parts about them that you really don't like. We have to be very careful with that because what happens is, is then we start shifting. Let me give you an example. It's kind of like uh, shifting pews. It's like, you know, you got, you got some people over here and, and everybody's kind of spread out, uh, families. Well, then you're sitting beside somebody and you say, well, you know what? I've been talking to that person and I don't really get along with that person very well. Well, then they move here. Mm-hmm. And then this person talking back with this other, these other individuals and they move. And then before you know it, you have what's called a click. And the people, the only people that you really hang out with in church is the people that you agree with. The people that you feel most comfortable around. And then, what, we've, what you discover is that we have become no different than the world. <laughs> it's no, we reverted back to the original formula. Is I only want to be around people that see things exactly the way that I see them. If you are in church, in a church, a church environment like we are now, you are going to disagree with the person sitting next to you at some point. The, um, the challenge is, is to remain loving and concerning for that individual. I think it's hardwired into us for some reason in the flesh that the moment that we disagree with somebody, we automatically don't really want to care about them anymore. Come on now. Don't tell me that you don't feel that. It's like, uh, you know, you offended me. Uh, I don't care what you do. No one's going to say amen to that, but I will. Yes. Amen. Amen. And it's this emotion. You can feel it. It's like, well, I don't care what happens to you. It's easy, it's easy to care about people. Listen, it's easy to care about people when, you lo- when everything's going good and you've got lovely feelings toward them. But it's a little bit different to care about the brother and sister in Christ when y'all have had some disagreements. Okay? So think about that. Jesus outlined the process of dealing with a fellow Christian who offends. The first step is to speak to the person face-to-face. That's step one, okay? Step one is face-to-face conversation. Okay, you with me? Not an email. Not a text message. Face-to-face, let's deal with this, okay? Let's work this out. That's the first thing. And I would say that if people did this correctly, if they do it correctly, most of the time it can be alleviated right there. Most of the time. It can be taken care of. Pastor and I have spoke with a lot of people over the years, and, and we'll ask that question. Have you went to them and talked to them yet? No. No, I can't talk to them. Yeah, why don't you handle it? Yep, we've heard that. It's like, whoa, hold, hold on a second here. No, it's not the way this works. You have to confront, and you have to go talk to them. You have to deal with this. I know you'd like to hide behind us, but it doesn't work that way. Okay, so first step you got to approach them face-to-face. If the problem can be solved, it advances the relationship in the kingdom of God. I totally agree. Amen. But if the offending party rejects the offer of reconciliation, the next step is to find a witness to arbitrate between the individuals. All right, we've got to bring somebody else in. Now, this is usually when you would bring your pastor or your leader in. Okay, we've got a problem here. Can you help us work this out? But... You can't skip step one and go to step two. He needs, pastor needs to be able to ask, or your leader needs to be able to ask and say, have you guys spoke? Yes, we have. And we're not, we're not going very far with it. Okay, 
I'm going to get in here and let's, let's figure this thing out. If there is still no resolution, the offending person is to be brought before the church. Now it's getting serious. If the offending party still refuses to repent, the leaders are to view the person as a non-believer, which means to ostracize them. Okay, now the reason we're talking about it in the context of this weekend, you think, man, people could really be cast out of a church? Well, let me put it in the right context, though. We're talking about the offense of sin. Okay, that's what we're talking about. Uh -huh. He's talking about what to do with a sinful individual. I'm not talking about, in this context, you just not agreeing on your likes and dislikes with another individual. There's actually a question here that gets down to that. Um, a lot of times we're, we're offended over personal things than we are actually a sin. We're just upset that you see things a certain way. And, and so that's totally different. So it says if the offending party still refuses to repent, the leaders are to view the person as a non-believer, which means to ostracize them. Um, I've actually seen this followed uh, in certain Baptist churches pretty stringently. Hey, you ain't supposed to be doing that. You're out. And do it right there in front of everybody. You're done. You'll never lead in this church again or any Baptist church ever. And they can actually file an official complaint and have all the details filled out. They can put it on your card in your membership and then they will not. That's it, right there. And so you, you think, it's like, man, I thought Rock Harbor Church was tough. <laughs> this is, I mean, these people follow this stuff to, to a T, but there is a way, there's a way to approach it. Okay, so then, it, then the question was, and I've got just a little bit of time. Describe the difference between a personal offense and a true wrongdoing. Let's do that. Let's do just that. What is the difference between a personal offense and a true Wrongdoing. When I say wrongdoing, I'm talking about something that is sinful that could creep its way into the church and cause issues and problems. What's the difference? I think, like, for me, I feel certain convictions, and my mom feels different convictions, and we've talked about that before. And I think a personal offense would be like if she told me, like, she's really big about celebrating the Sabbath, and I'll go out and eat on the Sabbath. And so we have that difference. Okay. Know? And, like, if she said something... To me about it, like she said, oh, that's not right. You going and eating on it? That would be like personal offense because sure. we both feel different convictions about it. Yeah. But like a true wrongdoing would be something that's blatantly said in the Bible, like you do not do this, mm -hmm. and then to do it to somebody else, like lying to them, adultery, stuff like that. Like that's true Great. wrongdoing when it's listed out in the Bible as not to be done. Mm -hmm. I think the personal offense is more of what you get from the Bible or mm -hmm. stuff that just offends you that might not offend Absolutely. somebody else. Yeah, I think we talked about it before. There's some things that are closed-hand conversations and others yeah. that are open-hand, and I think that, that you distinguish that. That's exactly what it is. Is We've got things that the Bible has plainly stated, and we know, okay, these things are not supposed to be done. And then there are things that are our own personal thing. You can't treat a person um if, if you have a personal disagreement, you can't treat them like they've committed a sin. Okay? But we live in this culture that, I mean, absolutely smashes people all over the internet, all over Facebook, mm -hmm. if they disagree. I, have, I disagree with you. I disagree with you uh, over whether to or whether you should not wear a mask. I live in a country that allows you to choose. Just make a decision. Choose. But we should not look at someone else and say, well, you're less of a human being because you didn't see things the way that I did. Now we're being judgmental. Well, judgmental, that's what I was talking about. I was letting her think about. 
we need we don't need to judge if we're going to different churches and i went to a lot of different mm -hmm. churches in my life i went to visit churches right and i found one that was really <laughs> it's come outside i mean it wasn't even a, what you'd call a church <laughs> uh, and i'm not gonna tell you what the nomination was yeah that's fine but uh the, church, the person i was with asked me some questions right after the church was over I didn't get, they didn't, she didn't get the answer that I wanted him want to mm -hmm. hear because it come out of reason. Sure. Because I know who I stood with God. Mm -hmm. I knew what she stood with God. Yeah. And and uh, he was telling us to just, uh, just a bare face lie, in other words, sure. because it wasn't in the Bible. I mean, yeah. it's plumb away from mm -hmm. being right. Yeah. And so we got to, we have to. Instead of telling you, Standing there telling you, no, you need to clean up, you need to change, you need mm -hmm. to get saved. Instead of telling you that, oh, you're all right, you know. Right. You know, you're, you're okay. So we follow we follow the convictions according to God's word, not our own opinions, and our opinions are can be very destructive. Okay, last paragraph, we're finished. No matter how good Satan's temptations may seem, they will never measure up to the prize that awaits us in eternity. Amen. Amen. For this reason, our faith must shape our thoughts, values, and priorities. In short. We must remain focused on kingdom values. Everybody say kingdom values. Kingdom values. kingdom values. This will help us to choose righteousness rather than sinful temptations. And make sure, before I get down, make sure that you are understanding the stratagems of the enemy and what is actually sinful by the definition of God's word. Not your own opinion. That's just that. That can get us church. That can get us into trouble. When you start defining things according to what you think, and it's easy too because I'm, I mean I get wrapped up in uh, we get wrapped up in politics, and we could go all day. I know you could too. We could go all day about what we think about politics, where it needs to go, who needs to do what, who needs to be in that position, and that's that's all fine and everything. We can express our opinion, but don't let that opinion bleed over into the church to the point where we start supporting sinful things that God's word has plainly said are sinful. Amen. Make sure by doing that, we keep the church pure and we keep it clean. Amen. Thank you guys. God bless you.